Hello and welcome to Need to Know, your weekly investment podcast brought to you by the experts at Coot. I'm Sarah Muir and I'm joined as always by Coot's CIO, Alan Higgins. Now we've got a special episode. Um, we're going to look at the three things investors need to know when, uh, well, during a high interest rate environment that we're experiencing at the moment. Now, just as a, a kind of disclaimer, I'm going to get this in first off. We're not going to be giving you financial advice. And we're not telling you whether now is the right time to invest or not, or how much money you should have in the, in the deposit account and how much money you should have invested. We're just talking about the impact on investments of a higher interest rate environment. OK, Alan, so what are the three things we need to know? So good morning, Sarah. So breaking this down, I think we can break it down into three. Uh, is there a relationship or what are the theories that it, it, a relationship between interest rates and equities? Mm. One, um, is there, a, secondly, is there a level of interest rates that undermines the case for equities? Mm. You'd think so, maybe. And then within equities, do certain market styles perform better? Something like that. Yeah. It was a struggle fitting into three for this special <laughs> episode, but I, I had a go. Okay, yeah. all right, then, excellent. All right, so uh, let's let's kick off then with, with the theory, what does the theory tell us about higher interest rates and investing? So it is a theory because there are some people out there that think there isn't a relationship on the basis that interest rates are a fixed asset and owning shares is a real asset in the, in the sense that you own as a minority shareholder in a company that is typically growing in aggregate. However, um, three reasons. Um, one from the corporation's point of view mm. is that you can especially see with higher interest rates that is putting a, a company in aggregate, the corporate sector in aggregate, under more strain. Yeah. One way of thinking about it is that simply more money is going to the bondholder, the debt holder, the bank, rather than the shareholder. So common sense there seems to indicate, in contrast, when interest rates are zero, if you like, all the money is going to the minority shareholder and the majority shareholder. One, two, kind of related to that is, is one theory of all financial assets is that you discount the cash flows, yeah. whether that be property, whether that be bonds, which basically is a discounted cash flow, and whether that be equities. Now, it's quite subtle because when I say cash flow and equities, what do you immediately think of? I think about what. I think about some revenue that's coming into it. Good, I get that sophisticated, yeah, because a lot of people will think about dividends, yeah. which is a very UK way of thinking. But of course, in the US, companies pay out little or sometimes yeah. zero in the case of dividends. So it is in the case of net revenue or profits. Yeah. And this impacts particular sectors, doesn't it? I know we're going to talk about perhaps some equities that do yeah. better or worse in this environment, but growth particularly is impacted yeah. by this. You, you would think so, but this year is interesting, but we'll come back mm. to that at the end. So, so going back to the discounted cash flow, um, it's, it's an elegant theory and it works. The basic idea, okay, you're a minority shareholder in Apple and as a minority shareholder in Apple, you earn a share of this year's profits, next year's profits, which you can estimate in growing profits and you discount that back. And therefore, what do you discount it back by? The interest rate. Yeah. And that, that's where the, and when the interest rate's very low, those cash flows are super valuable. Mm put it in, in, in simple terms, it's, it's a one way, intuitive way of looking about it. When the interest rate's low, you're really not missing out investing that cash yeah. uh, for a return today and longer term investments 
which are equities, typically long, long cash flows. And for a corporation, it costs them more to service the debt as interest rates go higher. Well, yeah, that, that, that's kind of point one, the corporate, you know, the corporate resources being diverted towards bondholders or, mm. or banks if the banks borrowing the loan. And, and, and the third reason why there is an impact is straightforward asset allocation. People like us, people at home may think, you know what, um, you mentioned cash. Uh, now cash is five. I want to allocate to cash five. Now bonds are seven. Mm-hmm. I want to allocate to bonds at seven. Um, and there's an allocation effect. It tends to be a bit more slow moving because okay. people don't change their core allocations that much. But especially we did note uh, there was a famous phrase, do you mean Retina? There, there is, is no, no alternative. alternative. Yes. When interest rates were zero, and that really was because there was no alternative. Well, there is an alternative yeah. today. Yeah. So that those are the theories yeah. why interest rates do matter. Okay. So then, at what level do we, is that? It, there must be a threshold above which we start to see that come into play. What's the theory on that? So look um, again, theories. So um, all interest rates matter, but once you set, set the quants at work, uh, mm. and uh, J.P. Morgan have done that this in their research back to 1950, we've done it back to 1871 here at Coots. And to, to the, the question is, statistically, I always yeah. struggle with saying that, statistically, um, what, what, when do interest rates really impact equities, if you like, year on year or two years out based on the level of interest rates? And it's... It's much less strong than you might think, Sarah. Okay. You, you'd think, well, surely if interest rates are four or five, two years out, there'll be a real impact. Mm. It isn't. But there is one number that stands out both in the J.P. Morgan study and in our study, which is 8% rates. I should say this is more predicated on the United States, okay. uh, like most research out there, but applies, which is an interesting number, 8%, um, because um, firstly, cash at eight looks very attractive but where i think it really comes home is that corporations will borrow at eight plus so typically for yeah. high quality corporations you're now talking about high quality corporations borrowing at 10 right okay so that's you're talking about the yield on a corporate bond yeah well there's two ways of looking at it yeah. us as an investor can earn 10 yeah okay which is basically long-run equity returns mm. but also from a corporation perspective 10 percent on their debt is really starting to drain yeah. money away from the corporation. Yeah. And so it's very interesting. So the message in the research, to put it simply, is that at 8% interest rates, and this is not an exact science, well, because times have changed, it could be seven going forward, it could be nine, who yeah. knows, but at least historically, 8% interest rates, then equity so-called derate. They need okay. to be cheaper to compensate. Okay. So... Is there an example that we can, I mean, you talked about going back to 1871, but is there an example we can look at from the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years where we could, I mean, it seems like it's a very long time ago since we've had high interest rates, but when was the last time we had interest rates above 5%? Did we see that? Do we see that playing out then? Well, luckily, Sarah, I've had a long career. <laughs> luckily, sadly, no, I... I uh, we'll say luckily. Yeah, yeah. I was in, in Bloomberg uh, the other day, and it says on my Bloomberg screen, thank you for being a client since 1987. Good. And they were so wow, they said, well, if you ever retire, we're going to give you 12 months free Bloomberg. <laughs> and I said, yeah, 
it's on that one hand sad, but it's actually lucky because I, I love investing. So that's why I'm still mm-hmm. here. But anyway, getting to the point. Um, so the last time we had high interest rates, apart from a little bit of a blip in the States mm-hmm. uh, in, in 2018, the last time was before the financial crisis. Right. Okay. So the years 03 to 07. Yeah. So these are the numbers. UK interest rates averaged at four and a half. Yeah. And hit a high of five and three quarters. Okay. Which is looking uncannily similar yeah. to right now. Yeah. So 03 to 07. Uh, and um, how did equities do? Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong, clients or investors would have had quite reasonable returns of cash. Yeah. Equities, much, much better. Okay. They compounded at 12% during that period. Okay. To be more precise, because this is this is more precise than we usually do, isn't it? And on, on uh, I need to know 12.1%. Mm-hmm. Also, really interesting. It was and that's, a period, that's UK equities. We're no, talking about global equities global in sterling equities. terms. Right. Okay. So that's global equities in sterling terms. But I think there's there's a there's an interesting story, um, and that's a total return, by the way. Of uh, let me get that get that right. There's a total return of seventy seven percent. Okay. Over 70, that period, over that yeah, four years. Yeah, five. It's five years. Oh okay. three, oh five, oh six, oh seven. Yeah. Oh three, oh four, oh five, oh six, oh seven. Five years in total. Seventy seven percent. 12% so handsomely beat cash. So, yeah. so that's you know a reasonable example. Quite interesting though. So 12%, actually 12.1, mm. need to get more precise. 12.1 for a UK investor. For a dollar investor, you may be surprised, Sarah. It was even better. It was a remarkable 17% compound. Goodness, why was that? That presumably was a Do- current. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got it. Um, basically, sterling was strong and, and dollar was weak generally. And so you can see that um, sterling strength stole some of the global equity performance, you know, about 12%. Mm. So anyway, um, look, are we expecting, you know, the 03 to 07? It would be nice, right? We're we're not. We're not making that call. It was a very different environment. Of Mm. course it was. Um, But it's just, uh, well, firstly, to summarise, the data, the Coots Quant team, and the JP Morgan quantity for that's worth, worth and mm. others point out that you know, look, really, you should be really worried about equities as in terms of structurally. And I'm saying nothing about the next year. This yeah. is this is more much more longer term mm. when rates get to eight. And then it's quite interesting that the 03 to 07, I knew it was a good period for equities. I hadn't appreciated quite how good it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we talked a lot about equities. What about bonds? Is What's the relationship between higher interest rates and, and bonds and how does that play out? Because obviously it's slightly more mathematical with bonds, isn't it, how they, how they perform? Yeah, so, so bonds you can consider in simple terms as kind of longer-term interest rates. Mm. So um, the, with bonds, bonds hate the journey getting there, yeah. just like last year. Yeah. So bonds was the, were, were a disaster last year. Because the journey to higher rates means that longer-term bonds need mm. to reprice to get there. And put simply, that means a bond that was paying you, say, 1% a year, now has to compensate and overall pay you 4 or 5% a year. What does that mean? That bond trades at 80 or 70. Yeah. So it's gone down a lot. Because of that inverse yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. between the price of the bond yeah, yeah. and the yield that you earn. However, what does it mean today? It means today entering the bond market you're entering the bond market at 70, 80. Mm-hmm. You still earn that 1%. Yeah. These were these were very low, they're called coupons. Yeah. Because historically with bonds, you literally used to clip them off. 
in a, in a, in a manual environment. I don't know, have you, have you ever seen them Chinese railway bonds? I haven't. No. Yeah, yeah. You can get them on eBay, Chinese railway bonds defaulted. And you see they have a little coupon that you cut off. Yeah. And you hand literally clip it. You clip it off. Yeah. So the coupon's only one, but the price 70 to 80, depending on the majority. So you get that gain to 100. So um, therefore, just mathematically, bonds are more attractive. Mm. Is it the end? We, we don't know. Uh, for what it's worth, the, the Coots in-house view, as, as, as the time of writing today, is yes, uh, when closer to the end. But that's, mm. that's, that's bonds. Um, but um, then the scenario is you earn the four or five. Yeah. You earn the four or five. And just on bonds, so there's three scenarios. Uh, one, you earn the four or five continuously. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Two, you get some windfall gains, yeah. like you got in March 2020, when interest rates collapse again. Yeah. That tends to be in a really depressing time. Uh, or three, no, um, rates are going to the dreaded eight, mm. and bonds suffer as well. That's an unlikely scenario in our view, mm. um, but um, that, that's the bond story. But anyway, we, we need to get back to equities. We do, equity. yeah. Well, okay, so then my, my final question then, and we sort of touched on this slightly in the first, in the first bit, was does, do higher interest rates impact all equities the same and all geographical regions the same, or are there some winners and losers? So theory's not working this year, Sarah. <laughs> theory would indicate, going back to my... Um, Discounted cash flow is that um, the, lo the, lo the longer the cash flows, the Teslas of this world, yeah. the Amazons of this world, the Nvidia's of this world, yeah. longer dated cash flows, um, they're far in the future because they're growth stocks and, yeah. and they're spending a lot of money on growing their business. These are some of these companies I mentioned, or all of these companies I mentioned are profitable companies, obviously. Um, they tend to be more adversely affected by rises in the interest rates yes mathematically that's the theory that well yeah that's the mathematical theory mm. and it worked last year yes so last year markets like the uk mm. which has a lot of value oriented cheaper companies giving you immediate cash flows yeah. and value stocks in, in the us worked quite well however super interestingly we've got this year we've got the magnificent seven exactly which we did cover yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous film, yeah. As, as, we, as we discussed. <laughs> and, and fabulous stocks as far as the S&P. So that's the Magnificent Seven is basically the old fans, if you remember those. Mm. So Apple, Amazon, uh, Alphabet, uh, but it's been joined by NVIDIA yeah. to make the Magnificent Seven. It's coined by Bank of America's um, strategist, Michael Hartnett. And, and basically the whole of global stocks virtually has been driven upwards by this Magnificent Seven. And these are longer term cash flows. So it shows that the AI scenario yeah. or the AI theory is trumping interest rates today. That was going to be my question is, and it's in spite of higher interest rates, not because of higher interest rates. And this AI story is so strong that it's, it's helping those stocks outperform even though, and in a normal situation, you would expect them to suffer. I think that's right, and it goes to show the difficulty of, of using these theories. You need to be, as an investor, very, very flexible with this. I mean, you know, we've got some pretty good theories here. They make a lot of sense. But having been an investor for over 30 years, well, since 1987, as I mentioned, mm. um, it's, it's, um, I've learned to be 
super flexible and, and, and it pays not to be too dogmatic yes. about, about theories. Um, but I take some comfort from the o, 03 to 07 period in particular. Mm -hmm. um, I, I take some comfort from that. But yes, it's, it's a different kind of stock market today with AI. Uh, I mentioned before, you know, I'm, I would be more inclined, you know, we were a broad church here, more inclined more to the, the value type environment, given where we are interest rates. But having gone to, the, remember I went to the Morgan Stanley conference, yes. the Goldman's conference on AI, mm. I can see there is really something here, you mm. know, behind it. And, I, and I, can, I can see companies prospering. Which ones? hard to see but uh, no. i wouldn't fight against it okay and then just finally then do we see does this impact all regions the same so do we see because obviously currency may comes into play here whether we see strong sterling or strong strong dollar how does that impact um higher interest rates in the uk or in the us does that help other regions like emerging markets or does that actually hinder them so ordinarily higher interest rates in the us hinders emerging markets mm. It raises funding pressures, but emerging markets is not where the inflation is. Yeah. In fact, in China, for example, they, they have arguably disinflation. And where there were some inflationary pressures in the likes of Brazil and Mexico, they, they, they much earlier and they did the right thing. Uh, they raised rates and they managed to get inflation turning down much quicker. So put simply, they've done, done a pretty good job. Um, but going back to your interest rate question, ordinarily higher interest rates would favour value type markets, which yeah. today is the UK, Europe, Japan, emerging markets. However, AI enthusiasm beats all that. Yeah. And so you're, you're seeing both the Magnificent Seven in the States, but also the likes of um, Taiwan Semiconductor in Taiwan. Yeah. Which is in in emerging markets. Mm. Samsung performed fairly well in Korea, South Korea. So this is the year. So far, this has been the year of growth investing. Okay. All right then. Well, thank you very much, Alan. It's been fascinating to deep dive into this subject. Um, so just to summarise, then we were talking about the impact um, on investing in a higher interest rate environment. Research tells us we've done our own research, which goes back to 1871, and JP Morgan have done their own research. And research tells us, that's not to say this is going to be the same this time, but that's what, it tell, what history tells us is that when interest rates get to 8%, there is a negative impact on equities. If we go back to the last period when we had higher interest rates, not certainly not 8%, but if we go back to pre-financial crisis, 2003 to 2007, when we had an average interest rate of 4.5% in the UK and a peak of 5 3.25%, which is, looks very likely that we'll get to that level again, then global equities actually compounded at 12% a year over that period. Now, we're not saying that's going to happen again, but this is what history tells us. All we can do is go on what the theory tells us and what history tells us. Um, certainly bonds, uh, there is also a relationship between interest rates and bonds. Bonds don't like the journey to higher interest rates, but uh, when you get to higher interest rates, you have that inverse relationship between the value and the yield, and the yields will go up as the value of the bond goes down. Uh, and as far as which kinds of equities are impacted, again, theory tells us that those kind of companies with longer dated uh, cash flows, the sort of growth companies, the, the so-called Magnificent Seven, we would normally expect them to suffer a little bit in a higher interest rate environment. But actually what we're seeing at the moment is 
they are leading the charge. Now, that's probably got nothing to do with what interest rates are doing. That, as Alan has said, is actually a lot more to do with the power of AI and this, whether you want to call it hype or, or sort of interest around AI is driving those stocks at the moment. Ordinarily, we would expect value stocks to, to do much better. A reminder that the views expressed in this podcast are not intended to constitute investment advice, are accurate at the time of recording and are subject to change. Thank you very much, Alan, for joining me today in the offices in 440 Strand. Don't forget to check out the podcast page on coots.com and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts. You can also access previous episodes there. That's all for this special episode of Need to Know. We'll be back with our regular episodes next week. Until then, bye for now.